Welcome to TCN Talks. I'm your host, Chris Como, and the goal of our podcast is 15 to 20 minutes of relevant need to know to help you in your role as a hospice palliative care, serious illness leader, and also team member at all levels of the organization. So our goal of these podcasts is concise, relevant need to know to help you in your role. And always the bookend of our podcast, we have something to make you think deeper, usually a quote about life in general, but also about our topic. And so I'm super excited today. Our guest is Dawn Landry. Dawn, welcome. Thank you, Chris. Dawn, before I have you tell people about you, I've got to say a little bit of stuff. This is like super cool for me. So Dawn and I actually graduated from high school together. So <laughs> probably this is like the longest standing uh, professional relationship, probably next to my wife and my family. And so, and one of the cool need to knows is that Dawn and I actually were voted most likely to succeed in our class. For me, that's probably a surprise, but once you get to know Dawn, you'll see that's no surprise at all. So welcome, Dawn. Thank you, Chris. It's very exciting to be here. It's kind of like a tying it all up with a big bow, right? And so it's the culmination of a lot of stuff. So it's really fun. Awesome. Well, tell our audience, what do they need to know about you? So uh, it's so funny. When I introduce myself, it's, it's, I, I can actually pinpoint exactly how everything culminates within the statement. My PR 101, which is my degrees in public relations, my PR 101 advisor said, are you a king or are you a kingmaker? And then now in these, that was back in 1989, 1990. And so now it's, are you a king or queen or are you a king or queen maker? And my entire career has been about being the maker side of things. I've never wanted to be a queen at anything. And so, um, so I've spent the entire bulk of my career in business development related positions, most recently in the commercial construction industry. And then four years ago, I started my company, which is called Authenticity. And uh, basically, it's a business to business uh, consulting business. And so I based everything off of Clifton Strengths Finder and using that as a communication assessment tool and a communication tool overall. And then um, personally, that kingmaker aspect of things has been a big fundamental part of my role as I've been in a support role from a care coach perspective. I don't call myself a caregiver and we can talk a little bit more about that in a little bit. Um, a caregiver perspective, care coach perspective for my husband. Yeah, and that's where for the hospice and palliative care people thinking, oh, it's a marketing talk. No. I can tune out. No, you guys are going to see this is very applicable to <laughs> the work that we do in hospice and palliative care. In fact, Dawn, you can see a picture of her book behind her, and I've got a copy. She was gracious enough to send me, and I actually read it cover to cover in one sitting on a Saturday. And so, Dawn, you have a pretty cool story, and this is where it, what the where we're going to get into the caregiving aspect. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm a huge fan of innovation, and I've heard there are kind of two general kind of genres of innovation. Think of an Elon Musk who, you know, I'm going to create an electric car company. You know what? We need to have a business of putting people on the moon. So kind of doing something that's never been done before. But the more common innovation is where people take something that is common, but they weave it together in ways that have never been woven together before. Like this really cool recipe. Like, yeah, we've always had those ingredients, just no one's combined them. And man, when we reconnected and you shared your story, I thought, wow, what an amazing kind of providential combination of your executive coaching background and then into a caregiving role. So let's, that goes to the first question. Tell folks about just the, the story of the book and why did you write the book? And um, then you take it from there. Thank you, Chris. So um, I am... First off, let me just start by thanking all the healthcare workers out there. And so I thought that I had an appreciation for healthcare workers because 
both my sister and her husband are nurses and lifelong nurses for 25, 30 years or so. And so, um, so I kind of saw the walk from their point of view, but having a husband and we've been together for almost 25 years now, we've been friends and then um, together, together for 22 of those years, 20 years ago, he had his first um, healthcare incident and then had some major, major incidents um, with stage four cancer 11, 12 years ago, and then a stroke in 2000, the end of 2019. And so as someone who has no healthcare background, like I said in the, my intro, I am a business person. I am not a healthcare person whatsoever. I just have this amazing appreciation for everyone, all the healthcare workers out there, especially this last year, but I actually saw it and had a first hand experience with it for the last two decades. So I'm so thankful for it overall. And then, like I said, um, having no healthcare background whatsoever, um, God gave me this man who has a lot of very challenging healthcare um, situations. And it's not like he's, you know, super old. He had his first, um, he had Guillain-Barre syndrome, which he had a, a, a reaction to an asthma drug. And that was in 2002. And then, um, then stage four cancer. And then at 38, and then the stroke at 48 years old. And he's been just, he's extremely healthy, um, worked out the day of the stroke, you know, doesn't drink, doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, doesn't, he was doing all the right things is mainly what I want to say. And so when he was recovering from the stroke, because he was 100% paralyzed on his right side and he had complete aphasia, couldn't speak whatsoever for many, many months. And so I had to speak for him. I just knew that I needed to be there for him and to apply the crisis management related skills that I had learned from the professional standpoint to our personal lives. And so I used some of those tools that I use, especially like the Clifton Strengths Finder related his results, because I knew about his um, assessment results for it just helped our marriage. Actually, it helped the foundation of our marriage communicating with one another. And so I use that as well as other motivating related techniques, even whenever he was in inpatient rehab. And one of the things that I kept pouring into him was you've survived all of this because I'm convinced that other people need to be inspired by your story. And so that was the motivation for writing Armored. And, um, and then last year, you know, God kept t telling me, you need to write the story, you need to write the story. And we were, when we got home, because he spent 24 days in the hospital, ICU, inpatient rehab and everything, I was completely exhausted in January of 2020. My business started to pick back up again in February and March, and I was going to have this banner March. And then COVID hits, needle across the record, nothing but time and space. And so that's when I had the opportunity to write Armored. I really felt called to share the things that I learned as a healthcare, as as a non-healthcare pro provider, but a um, a person that had to be present there with my husband, so engaged um, for other people that are not as equipped or don't feel as equipped to get through and get themselves to the other side. Well, to give you a pretty cool endorsement, and actually I give you a written endorsement, and thank you for putting it in yes. your book. Yeah. But you know, I didn't say it in the beginning. So Dawn and I are both from Louisiana, and so hence her Landry and me as a Como. And one of the cool things of the Cajun culture is storytelling. It's probably, there's many reasons why I'm thankful I'm from Louisiana. One of my jokes is I grew up in a foreign country. Um, but is that storytelling aspect that's part of our culture. And Dawn inherited that gift as well. 
And Donna, I love the way you weave stories throughout. You're doing this beautiful, you have a beautiful storyline and an amazing kind of epic story, especially yours and even Darren's, the love story part of it. Um, but you're teaching throughout. And so just kudos for how you did that. I don't know if you want to make any additional comments just of like, did you have a master plan when you went into it? So people kind of know what to expect when they dig into the book. Uh, it's It was amazing because I wanted to write a book for 20 years, but I, it was not supposed to be this book. I, I didn't I didn't think I didn't know what God had intended for me along the way. Um, I'm a natural coach. I, it's just what I do. And so the way that the book is written is more of a memoir because you have to know kind of the history to be able to kind of look forward and see and to have that credibility to be able to accept, okay, well, she went through all of this. They went through all of this. So here's the credibility. Um, but there wasn't a, a like a grand plan. And the thing that I keep hearing is that it's so unique because there's so it's a memoir, but it's also a guide and it's a love story. And so finding a particular bucket to kind of describe it in has been a little bit more of a, a challenge. Also, I want to caveat it all to say also, Chris, is um, this is my perspective, right? I don't know what it's like to ever have someone say you have cancer or to have gone through a full-blown stroke and be literally trapped in your body, knowing what you want to say, but not being able to articulate anything. It's just the perspective that I have from being able to walk as closely with another human being as you possibly can. So um, I always state that in the very beginning, especially I stated, as you know, at the very beginning in the intro of the book, is this, this is just this perspective that I have. And the things that worked for us may or may not work for other people. It's just kind of this, 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 the tips and tricks that I learned along the way and the best practices that I learned along the way that helped us get it, get us through. Well, Dawn, unbeknownst to you, you actually bumped into an amazing piece of wisdom mm -hmm. that in some respects was built into the hospice model of care. But I think sometimes because of our external business challenges, you know, sometimes you lose sight of the fundamentals and um, story is so important. And so years ago, I saw this amazing video and it was it was a training video for healthcare workers to understand you're walking into a store and it was called Grumpy Old Man. And so the video started, you as a PR person would love it because it starts with this grumpy old man in a wheelchair. And then it flashes back through his life as childhood when he got married, married his high school sweetheart, went off to World War II, fought for our country, came back, had a career, had kids lost his wife from a terminal illness. The kids moved away. He didn't see the grandkids often. And then you're back to the grumpy old man in the wheelchair. Mm -hmm. And in the span of a minute, you reposition from, God, that man looks grumpy to, oh my God, I'm walking into a story. Mm -hmm. And so I think you did that beautifully. And I, I think it's kind of um, a call back to our roots. Um, in fact, I've always envisioned because electronic health records are so the bane of healthcare's existence. You know, clinical staff are having to type all this stuff in the computer, and we're so sometimes focused on those kind of techniques and those aspects, we forget we're walking into a beautiful story, and we're we're walking on sacred ground to be partnering with people in that story. And so that's something I thought you just did beautifully. And and you were obviously telling a story. You were a part of the story the whole time. But I felt like in some respects, you were calling me back to our roots of as healthcare people. Every person's room you walk in, every home you walk into, you're walking into a beautiful story. Yeah. So I don't and know if you, you want to know it, right? You, you, really, you really don't know. And 
And also for us as the, as the caregivers and the patients, we don't know the burden that, and it's, and I don't use the word, the term burden in a negative way, but the extreme burden that it has on healthcare workers also. I don't know how they can, and it goes for my sister and brother-in-law also, I don't know how you can't take that in and ingest it every day, especially this last year with what I've seen on TV with COVID and that how that you can still stay up for the next patient or you can still stay up and get home in the evening and be there for your family overall. The toll that it takes, especially for those frontline workers um, in the ER and whatnot, has to be incredible. And so it also, the empathy needs to go, it has to work both ways also, right? Yep. So we have to have that appreciation. And I think that's part of the education from for the, for the people that are there as the, as the recipients of the healthcare. Well, that's well said, Don. In fact, mm -hmm. um, we, we, they're all going to be published here by the time yours is published, but we've just been doing a series speaking to what you've talked about is, mm -hmm. you know, the, we call it the art of showing up in terms of as healthcare workers, you know, our own stuff, because um, we're human. And so our own stuff affects how we show up. And so just helping healthcare workers unpack this, that's always been the challenge is COVID has just become such an exacerbation is just exposed stuff that's always been there. And so we've been trying to provide some tools. But one of the other things I thought you did beautifully in your book is that as a caregiver or as a, as a coach for your loved one, um, you had times where you had to advocate for your loved one, where you didn't have the best experience. And there are other times you were just beautifully affirming of the healthcare workers. And so, again, if I was kind of developing that checklist of just pearls from your book, the story, but also I feel like you were coaching caregivers there are places where you need to do that. So do you want to speak to that a little bit? Well, it's something. So information is power. We can't ever forget that. Right. But there is an opportunity when inf there is information overload. So as a caregiver, it's knowing where's the balance overall. And it happened very early on in Darren's first, first healthcare battle. Um, the, you know, 2002, the internet is still fairly new specifically from a healthcare standpoint. And he had this thing called Guillain-Barre. It wasn't like cancer or stroke where it was something that everybody knew about. And um, I got online. So he was, he was okay. And then he wasn't, then he's in ICU and he's talking about his DNR. We weren't even married yet. We were, you know, we were together. Um, we were living together and he's calling me to say, don't pull the plug. And I'm like, Whoa, what? <laughs> and so I get home that evening after because they wouldn't allow me to stay that night with him in the ICU. And I start looking at things on the internet. And then within 15 minutes, I had almost scared myself to death, basically. So I shut the computer and I said, mm -mm, not going to happen, not going to be Darren. And my faith wasn't as strong. My walk wasn't as strong with God. But with every healthcare challenge, I brought new tools and the stronger my faith began to get in terms of walking with my my walk with God. And so um so it's knowing okay when when do I need information and when do I need to really lean on the trust that I have and the credibility that I have for these um for these doctors and these healthcare providers that are going to give me that good information that I need. 
Well, Dawn, I want to give you this kind of maybe final question, and then I'll give you a final word too. But picture, you know, you and I grew up, football was a big part of our lives growing up. Um, you got a locker room talk with the caregivers of America. What advice would you give them? Um, it's kind of the same advice that I would, I would give really anyone in terms of when you are, it's easy for you to control the voices um, of the negativity and the doubt and the ever, everything else when you are rested and energized and passionate and everything else. But let's face it, when you are in the depths of the valley of a healthcare challenge and you are exhausted and, um, and there's nowhere to turn, really, you have to realize how you're talking to yourself. And here's the example. So the January after we got out of, um, out, out of the stroke situation, out of all the hospitals and everything, I resumed, I assumed that I could just resume my work like normal. And I caught myself in this huge conference room with a bunch of engineers. There's like 20 people in the room. This is my client, longtime client caught myself falling asleep. Never in my entire 28 year career has that ever happened. And I was dozing off. And so they are lovely. They've never admitted it, um, even to this day, even a couple of years later. But I knew that a couple of them caught me and I got to the car and I berated myself in my head. What's wrong with you? You should be able to do this, everything else. And it wasn't until um, it was actually my Bible study, Sisters in Christ, that I brought this to them because I was just, I didn't know what to do with it. And they're like, you almost have PTSD from everything that you've been through. And how are you talking to yourself? And at that point, I realized I wasn't being nice to myself. So I envision that I have the drill sergeant that sits on my shoulder and I can flick her off. And then if she's becoming too commanding or too demanding on me, then then it's a good visual for me to be able to keep that perspective. Awesome. Any final words? Um, really, it's all about doubling down in terms of something you said a little bit ago, you were talking about really, you know, the strengths that we have, the strengths that caregivers and even the healthcare providers have. Um, we are all unique. And so how I get through a task and get to the other side is going to be different. And that's kind of why the book is named Armored is because it's leveraging and owning whatever strength you absolutely have and using it as your superpower. Now, our strengths can become our weaknesses when they're overexposed. And that's a whole other story. Yep. But um, but it's realizing that you may not do it the same way that someone else does, but the reality is owning the abilities that you are capable of doing and then just, just conquering that task as you need to. That's awesome. That's great advice. And so for hospice, palliative care staff, if you um, we interact with caregivers every day, I highly recommend this book. It's an amazing read. There's tools chalked throughout but it's not written that way. It's just written as a beautiful story and it's just kind of the little nuggets are all woven in. So Dawn, congratulations. Um, and so, and, and all the best to you and Darren as you go forward. So I wanna leave our listeners as I always do with a bookend. And so President Kennedy, and those of you that seeing on screen, you could see this, quoted the historian Arnold Tombe. And Tombe said that he had studied all the civilizations of the world. And he concluded that you can predict the longevity of each nation and its place in history by applying a very common yardstick. This yardstick was the manner in which societies cared for their vulnerable, the aged, the infirm, and the, the disabled. 
And those who endured the most notably, like the Greeks and the Chinese, they not only cared for, but they also venerated the elderly and the infirmed among them. So caregivers, you are doing a great work. And thanks for listening to TCN Talks.